Some of y'all just gave your first high five of your life, so that was groundbreaking, right? If you don't get anything else, you just got to high five somebody, and you've had a bad week, and that was awesome. Listen, if you've missed honor's reward up till this point, let me just kind of give you an overview. I'm going to explain to you in just a second what honor is, but week one, we kind of gave the description. Week two, we said why, and we checked our motives. Week three, last week, we talked about honoring civil leaders and authorities and what happens when we disagree? How do we still honor? And I encourage you, go back and watch them if you missed them. But today is my favorite. Don't tell anybody, but today's my favorite. It's the one I've been sitting on for a long time. Leah and I were on a date night six weeks ago, and God just dropped a bomb in my lap. And I was like, man, I can't wait to get this out. But let me just kind of explain it to you in pieces, okay? This is what honor is. This is what honor is. Kavad, Hebrew, Timae, Greek. You don't have to remember that. Just know that that is it's kind of like, sounds like K-A-V-A-D, kavad. And it means to hold in weight and worth and value. And Timae is very much the same. I, I love this part. That, that in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, that God says, honor your God, or excuse me, honor God with your body. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. But it says you were bought with a price. And that price, that word means Timae. That is the, listen, that's the value that God looks at you and that's how much he held you in esteem. But that literally means the blood of Jesus is the honor or the esteem that he showed you. That's the price that he paid for you. And I think that's awesome. And if you walk away seriously with nothing else, that's pretty good right there. Because Jesus thought enough of you to honor you by his son's blood. Now that's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. So that's why we honor. Listen, if you honor for any other reason other than because he first did you, and you love for any other reason other, other than he first loved you, then you've missed the whole point. But here's the thing. When it comes to honor, God's done a lot in my life. And so we're on this date night and we're talking through a bunch of stuff. I've only had this happen maybe two or three times in my life when I was a student pastor and preaching, doing all this, where you're just sitting there and you get a napkin out. Y'all remember that back in the day? You get an idea. This is before smartphones where we can kind of talk in them now and it remembers. This is the click. We had the flip phones back in the day or bag phones or the big Say by the bell, Zach had that, y'all remember, right? The big cell phone. Some of y'all had no idea what I'm talking about. That's okay. But like, but like now I just use Google Docs and I talk into it. And this was one of those moments where we're just on this date and we're out and we just were talking back and forth about the five love languages. And I'm going to show you that in just a second. And I just had this aha moment. Because how many of y'all have ever heard of the golden rule? Just show me your hands. Like, does anyone not heard of that? I'm pretty sure everybody's heard of that. Do unto others as you would have them. Do unto you. But did you know that that's what Jesus said? How many of y'all knew that? That's, that's from the Bible. That's what Jesus said. Right here, Matthew chapter 7, verse 12 says, So whatever you wish that others would do, do also to them. What you wish they would do to you, do it also to them, for this is the law of the prophets. And by the way, Jesus was quoting to the people as he was on this mountain teaching this message. Jesus was just quoting back what the rabbis had said in the past. So this is an old law and Jesus was quoting it and it comes from us. This is not some thing in chicken soup for the soul. This is straight from Jesus, right? So this is good. But here's the deal. This is what, this is like the aha moment that I think people miss. I think for so long we've read this and we've been like, I'm doing it. <laughs> I'm doing to them what they need to do to me and why aren't they picking up on it? You know what I'm talking about? Like, you need to pick up on the hints because I want this back. And we've missed the point altogether. So this is, this is the aha moment. This is the five love languages. How many of y'all have heard of that? The book, Five Love Languages, Gary Chapman. A lot of us haven't. 
I'm encouraging you to write down. Listen, you need to get your notes out right now because this is about to mess some people up. But just with this, if, write this book down and get this book because here's the deal. Everybody in the room deals with conflict. Am I right? Y'all are like, thank you. I'm glad you said it because the Lord knows my house right now, right? And it's either with our marriage or our job, whether it's up or down with bosses or, or, or we're the boss, or with our moms and dads, or with our kids, or with our siblings, or with our friends, neighbors, whatever it is. We got conflicts and it's annoying. And most of the time it's communication breakdown. But it's something, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's something all the time. And it feels like this, when something's going good at home, and I'm like, thank God, I get a break because we don't have to fight tonight. Then something happens at work. Is anybody else like this? And so what do we do? Like, how do, how, do we, how do we handle the conflicts and when the communication breakdowns happen? This is what, know thyself. You got to know you for them to be able to communicate with you and you got to know them for you to be able to communicate with them. And this goes right back to do unto others that Jesus was saying. This is the law of the prophets. Look, every person in this room, every person, regardless of what you think about Jesus, every person, you fall in this category, five love languages. You, you receive love by one of these, sometimes two of these are really accented, and you give love oftentimes differently than how you receive it. So here's me, here's me. I'm a gift giver. Listen, I'm just telling you, if we're boys, and that means girls too, just know that, right? Because when I say if we're boys, that means friends. Like, if we're close and we're friends, I'm going to buy you a gift because I love to buy gifts. I will run out of money if Leah doesn't put me on a budget just by buying gifts because I love it. And my goal every Christmas is not, whew, I probably shouldn't say this, is not that my kids get the best gifts, and I hope they do, but it's that my wife gets just spoiled rotten, and she doesn't give me a better gift than I give her, right? Because we got to be competitive. That's, nobody else is. All right. So, but, but like, but I show love by giving gifts. That's what I love to do. But other people show love by doing acts of kindness or acts of service or words of affirmation. You're the person that constantly encourages and that's the way you naturally show love. Quality time. I don't want you to be my friend if that's you, right? But <laughs> nobody else, okay? And then physical touch. And, and you're the person that shows that you love by hugging. You're the hugger. And I love to hug. That's awesome. But then this is the deal. Just because I show it this way, I don't, I don't receive it this way. I receive it by words of affirmation and by physical touch. And that's weird. It's weird that that's not the same. Wouldn't it be easier if I just, I like getting them and I like giving them and y'all just know me and it's good. But it's not that way. And for most of you, it's not the same. And right now you're like, I don't know what I am. Well, listen, here's the deal. A lot of times when I'm dealing with married couples in a room, they can tell me everything about the person that they're looking at that's wrong. And they can't tell me anything about what they're wrong with, right? And so this is what I want to start with. Do you know what you want? <laughs> because if you don't, how in the poo are we going to help you with what you want? Y'all with me? Yeah. Like we don't know. Ah! And so we're just sitting at the table, y'all, on this date night. And this is what I thought. And it was like, this is so simple. Why isn't it taught? This is so easy. Why don't we know this? If Leah doesn't receive love by getting gifts, and she doesn't, then at home, I can get her a dozen roses, and I love to do that. And I can get her 
a cool bracelet and I love to do that. And I can get her things and I love to do that so much. My Amazon account, ding, 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 and I love to do it. But she wants quality time. Ah, right? It's awesome. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> and acts of service. Yay! <laughs> so it's literally the opposite of me. Right? Like this, this couldn't be more opposite. And most of the time you're attracted to the opposite. And then at work, you want to show your boss appreciation. And you're like, he's crazy. And you get him an apple. Why do we ever get apples for teachers? Y'all know the answer, but it's weird. A gift card's better than an apple. Anyway, somebody say amen, that's a teacher. But like, we want to show kindness, but we do it in our way. So here's the deal. Do unto others you would have them do unto you has always been in our minds. I'm going to do for you what I wish that you would do for me. And that's what it reads directly. But what if we started thinking about them? What if we said, I wonder how Jordan receives love. Because I'm going to show her the love that she receives and I'm going to change my approach from what I naturally do to what she naturally receives or what he naturally receives or what my boss naturally does because he's crazy and he's hard to work with. But what if I start showing him love and elevating him? And for marriages, using Ephesians 5, 21, that we submit ourselves one to another, that I stop looking constantly at what I need to do and what you need to give me and how wrong you are. Are y'all with me? And what I can do to lift them up. And it shifts the landscape of the relationship with parents and with kids and with everything. And I, I've never met anybody that has sat down with me that I thought had this licked. But we just sat and looked at each other and said, we've been married for 14 years? <laughs> and, we've been, and we dated four years, so we've been together way longer than we weren't together. It's weird. And we've never even thought of this because I constantly buy you gifts. And you constantly do for me acts of service because that's how Leah shows love. But I receive it in words and she receives it in acts of service and I had to shift and she had to shift and this is the problem. When it comes to communication, when there's a difficulty, this is where you headbutt on this subject because at that point, the only thing I want you to know is that I'm right. Maybe I'm the only one in here that's that way. <laughs> And some of y'all are flyers, some of y'all aren't fighters, and so you just say, okay, be right. I don't like y'all, I'm just saying, right? <laughs> I want y'all to fight back with me, right? And so Leah, naturally, is a flyer. And I am naturally a lawyer. <laughs> and so I give my defense, and I filibuster the entire time we're fighting, and I talk, and I talk. For those of y'all that don't know what filibuster is, just Google it right now, Wikipedia will tell you, right? But I just continue talking and talking, and then I say, why aren't you talking? Well, you haven't let me talk. And then the silent treatment. How many of y'all love dealing with the silent treatment? How many, one person. How many of y'all give the silent treatment? I know half of y'all are lying because you do one or the other, right? And we look at each other like, why? And then the other's like, right? That was the silent treatment. Thank y'all. Some of y'all will get it later. And we can't figure out what's the problem. We never considered them. Because here's, I'm right. I'm right. Right. And the truth is, you're probably right. Half of the time, you're, you probably are right. But this is what I found. You can be right. And you'll end up, if that's all you have to do, is be right. And that's your life. 
and you constantly point out how they're wrong. You can be right, and you'll end up right by yourself. You can be right, and you'll end up right, absolutely right, by yourself. When it comes to your job and your boss, and you're right, and you cuss at them and say you're crazy, but you were right, you'll end up right at your house. Am I wrong? Nope, I'm right. <laughs> Y'all see what I did? Because we can't take time to look and say, what does honor really look like? We say, I'm right. It's about me. And I'm just sitting at this table on this date night going, oh my goodness. This is so easy. This is so simple, but it's so hard to actually do because I have to take all that I am and stop thinking about all that I am and start thinking about all that you are in every relationship that I have. And I just wonder, out loud, is this why the world doesn't really want any part of us? Because we're right. Can I just be honest with y'all today, whether you're a Christian or not? We're right. We have the answer. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and there's no one that can come to the Father except through him. He's already won. He's already taken the keys of death and hell. We have the answer. The question is not, are we right? The question is, are we looking at them who's out there and looking at your bosses and the people you do life with, looking at your spouse that's lost and saying, I'm going to do everything I can to not only know that I'm right, but to help this get better. Because this is what I've learned. We talked about this with some pastor buddies this week. As a pastor, I can be right. And I, could, I, I may do nothing wrong, and one of our staff, praise the Lord, this doesn't happen, might do something so crazy that they fall off the map and they do something dumb. And they're wrong. And I stand up and say, I wasn't wrong. You know what? You're right. But you're responsible for what was done ultimately. So husbands, this is for you. Daddies, this is for you. You might not be wrong in how you're disciplining or how you're communicating with your spouse, but you can be right and end up right by yourself. And it's because we don't take time to look and say, how does my daughter need to receive love? Because if I don't love my daughter, guess what? Some dude's gonna love my daughter. And don't ask me why they ended up where they ended up if you didn't love them enough to learn what they are and who they are and how they receive love. You just wanted to be right. And we hear Matthew chapter 7 and we're like, yeah, that's awesome, pastor. I'm going to do unto others. And we never stop and consider what that really looks like. I have five things that I want to give you all when it comes to honor. I think this is like putting it in action. And I, please write this down. Please write these down because I'm telling you, if you'll just stop and think through these while I'm talking about them, it's going to frustrate you. <laughs> Because it frustrates me, and I'm preaching this, and I looked at it every day this week, and on Wednesday night of this week, we stayed up till 2 a.m. trying to communicate. Because I'm like, why won't you talk? <laughs> and she's like, right? Because I don't take enough time to think, is this elevating her, or is this me being right? Five things that you can activate on in your life. We can take this with you, you can change the world. I'm telling you. Number one, what's Leah's? What's my best friend's? What's my bosses? What's my, what's my kids? What's my parents' favorite way to communicate? If you don't know this, by the way, at this point, and you're fighting with somebody, you got to take a break, take a deep breath, stop being right for a second and say, what is their favorite way to communicate? Now, if you do this naturally and you can just shift 
And you know what to do? You're just better than me at this part of life and probably all of life because I don't do this naturally. I do me naturally. And I think you should adapt to me. That's my lifestyle. That's my motto, right? That's terrible. What I have to do if I want to honor is take ownership and responsibility, even if I'm right, and say, how do they communicate best? And then guess what you do? Guess what you do? Do it even if it's not your favorite way. What, what do you do? No one else knows this, but it's right here. Y'all can read it. Look, it's big up there. What, just do the first two words. What do you do? We do it. Like, yeah, that's easy for you to say, but are you saying that when you're communicating with Leah, that me, the talker, the filibuster, should just sit and listen? Yes. Because here's what I say. I want you to answer me. Why aren't you answering me? Why aren't you answering me? And she's processing while I process out loud. This is some of y'all in the room right now. I'm, ex- I'm, I'm describing your life and, and bring, stop talking. Person that doesn't talk, talk. They want to know what you think. We wish we could find out, but if we don't shut up long enough to find out, right? We never will. So find out what their favorite, you know the person you're in a conflict with, find out the way they communicate and then do it. Even if it's not the way you do it. Number two. What makes the people in your life that you're closest to, what makes their day? I like to buy gifts. It doesn't make my wife's day. I mean, she's like, thank you, that's awesome. Thank you for the roses. They're so pretty, right? <laughs> but what makes her day is when I come home and I have mowed the grass and I've cleaned everything and I've done the laundry. And I'm just telling y'all right now, if I do that, Shoo, y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, it, it's, it's not bad. And I can get her roses and it's fine. She's, my wife is the best woman that I know. But it's not me making her day. It's me doing it the easy way. Y'all with me? It's not me making her day. It's me doing it the easy way. You got an easy way out. You know the way that you love. What makes her day? What makes his day? What makes the person in your life that you have to deal with the most? What makes their day? And then what's the answer? Do it. Do it. Yeah, but, but, but pastor, you don't know what they did to me. What are we trying to accomplish here? We want to get better or we want to be right? You know what I mean? We want to, we want to, get, we want to get better in this world or do we want to be right? Because we're already right. We don't have to prove that we're right. We're already right. It is an absolute that we're right. Do we want to be right or do we want to change the world? Do we want to be right or do we want to change our family? What makes their day? Do it. Number three. What do they dread, right? Everybody dreads something. My wife would rather get hit by a bus than have conflict, have an encounter. Just being honest with you, I love it. I don't know why I'm crazy. I'm just admitting it to y'all now. I like it. And I don't want it to be nasty. But if there's something that needs to be done, I'm good. (laughs) Let's go. Let's get it done. If, if I can take that from her, and then there's plenty of things that, that I dread, let me just tell you, and she's good at them. But we don't stop long enough to think, what does she dread? We stop long enough to think, what do I dread? And we don't stop long enough to think, what does my boss dread that I can do? We just think, he's, he's getting paid more. She's getting paid more than me. They need to take care of it. I'll never be a person of a culture of honor if that's what I think. And I don't really want to change the word. I want you to change to me. Because I'm right. What do they dread? You got to kill it. You got to nuke it before it ever gets to them. 
You got to stand in the line and say, this is my people now and I can stop this. And if you can't, you find the person that can and you say, I will not let my wife or my kids or my people go through this if they don't have to. I'm not going to be nasty, but I'm going to kill it. Number four, what is the one thing that only you can do? And immediately, every man in this room that's married thought sex, right? Because that's what y'all think of. There's no way I'm the only person that thought sex right then. I hope that that's what y'all think when y'all think that, by the way, that no one else should do. Anyway, that might be another message. This is awkward right now because y'all might not know this, right? But, but what's the, seriously, what's the one thing that I can do that no one else can do for you? And there's something for every single person. Because listen, if I have a job, that's my job. And if I think someone else should pick up the slack for me, then I'm not doing everything that I can do. And when it comes to a relationship, all joking aside, that's part of it. And if I'm holding out because I'm mad, that's real bad. Because men find it, and they shouldn't, with anybody but you. And women, the same thing. It just may be emotional, I don't know. But we find it, and we fill our lives with what we need. But what's the one thing that only you can do? And then what do you think you should do? You should do it, but, but do it better. And do it more. And do it more filling. And do it the way that they think I can, it can be done, and it's better. Do it. Listen. Here's an, here's an example. This blew my mind when I heard this. So I was doing some research, and um, y'all know this. Some of y'all are divorced. Some of y'all have never been divorced, but you feel like giving up. It's, it's one out of every two that we hear gets divorced, but it's really a lot more than that, isn't it? In, in America today, it's like pushing, it's getting closer to 70% divorce rate. And in the church, it's well above 50%. And we try everything, don't we? We try counselors. We try everything that we can to make that happen. But what's the one thing that you can do that only you can do? And I'm not talking about sex. Here's the thing. I've never thought of this before, but I was reading this article, and it was Dr. Phil, of all people, <laughs> the great theologian, right, <laughs> Dr. Phil. And he said, if I could come up with something that made the marriage rate or divorce rate, I mean, one in 10,000, instead of one in two, I could sell, I would be the richest man on the planet because everyone would buy my stuff. And yet, the most recent Barna survey, when it comes to spouses that pray together, let me explain what pray together is because some of y'all pray at meals and you're like, ding, I got that covered, right? This isn't praying, God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food, right? This is out loud praying over your husband or over your wife. This is praying out loud. They said one in 10,000 couples that actually, evangelical like us, couples that pray out loud over each other, for each other, for your kids, end up in divorce. Am I the only one in here that thinks that that's the one thing that I can do as a husband praying over my wife that I probably should do? Are y'all with me? And yet, you know what they found? One in 100 actually do it. One in 100. And I'm going to tell you why that's the truth. Leah and I are practicing this. And when you first start, some of y'all might not think this is funny because maybe you, you were like 30 when you kissed for the first time. You remember when you kissed somebody for the first time and you had braces? <laughs> some of y'all are laughing like, oh, he knows about me, right? And you're just, oh my gosh, and you get, it's just awful. And it's a train wreck. 
That's what it feels like the first time. Can I just tell you, I pray a lot. And the first time that we intimately prayed over each other, it was weird. I could much easier pray over y'all than I could pray over Leah. Can I tell you why? She knows everything. And it's ugly. And there's skeletons. And there's a mess. And I said something to her last week. And I did something the week before. And this happened. And this happened. And it's hard. Because I'm, I'm so intimate when I'm praying with God. And my intimacy goes this way and then this way. And it's, it's hard. When you're dating, I suggest that you don't pray together unless there's other people in the room. And I'm going to tell you why. The Bible says that we should wait till we're married to have sex, that we should hold ourselves for our husbands or our wives. That is the most intimate thing that you can do on this planet. It is insane how intimate it is. Like it's just, it's a feeling that I cannot describe and it's just a fullness. And guys, here's the thing. You shouldn't do things for wrong motives. I just preached that two weeks ago, but I'm just going to give you a wrong motive. You know what I'm talking about? Like when you pray with your wife, it's amazing how things work out if you know what I mean. So I'm just suggesting for multiple reasons. Nobody? For multiple reasons. But mainly because it's the one thing that you can do that only you can do. If you had a pill that you could take or you could spend the next year's salary and guarantee peace in your marriage, wouldn't you take it? But yet we look at these things and we say, yeah, but that's hard. That's too much. What about me? What about me being right? And number five, what sets the person in your life back? What pushes them back? What sets them back? What sets them back? And what we do with it is we do everything in our power to make sure it never happens. We do everything in our power to make sure that it never happens. And here's where I kind of had a twist. And when I'm sitting at the table, I'm like, I'm writing these things down and I'm going through the five love languages and I'm thinking back through the golden rule. And I'm thinking, this is great, but I've got to be right. And I don't stop in a conflict and think long enough about you and what I can do for you. I think what you can do for me and how you need to change for me. And while there's truth in that, you can't control anything in this world except what you will do with the situation that God put you in. Nothing. You can't do anything. You can help people, you can do things, but you can only control you and your choice is a beautiful gift. But what happens from there is tied to that. And if you never stop and think, I can do this for this person, then don't stop and think that it should change. We have been doing the same thing in the same way for centuries. And we're like, how did the divorce rate end up like this? How do I never get along with my neighbors? Why is all this this way? It's because of us. We have thousands and millions of me problems. And yet what we say is listen to what they did. And listen, don't miss this. I'm not saying it's your fault. I'm saying it's your responsibility. And there's a massive difference with that. And we look and switch the two and say, no, it's their responsibility because it's their fault. They will do what they decide and you will do what you decide. And until I take other people's burdens on me and say, what can I do to help? What can I do to lift them up? And how can I mutually submit and come all the way to them, start communicating with them and helping them and loving them the way that they receive love? And until I do, please don't ask me what's wrong. Because the answer is, you've got to be right. And if you've got to be right, you'll end up right by yourself. 
You'll end up right, but you'll end up by yourself. And this is where I think we have a little twist, and it's broad, and no matter where you are in life, it hits you, because Jesus was talking to his disciples, and he's like, listen, here's how everybody knows that you're mine. Here's how this whole world will know that you're my disciple. Here's how everybody that you come in contact with will know that you're mine. John 13, 35 says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. All people will know. All of them out there will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. And that word love is agape, but, but it means something a little bit different in this, in this text. It's God's love, and it means, it means on purpose to choose to like them and to show favor to them and to build them up. And it is literally one of the translations for honors them. And it is crazy that that's what this means. But it is not just high-fiving. And it's not just passing them by. And it is the people you live and work and play with, and it's everyone else. And here's what I think we do. We're right. Listen, we're right. So we tell them all that we're right. And we tell them all the truth, and you should always tell the truth in love. But what if we never show them the truth in love? That's what this world is, and that's why they look at us and go, for real? That's, how you, that's, that's what this is all about. That every one of our people look absolutely the same. That, that it's all about you being right. So when you go to the restaurant and the person gets your order wrong, you lose your mind. Because you messed up my order. My responsibility was not to get the order right. My responsibility is in how I react to that order. Oh, that waitress was terrible. She was the worst. She lost her dad last week. And she's trying to work to pay the bills. My responsibility wasn't to have good service, but it's certainly how I respond to that waitress or that person at the drive-thru or that person at QT or the person at your workplace that is miserable. You're like, you just don't understand. I do. I live with me. <laughs> and this is what I kept thinking about. We're right. But because we're so right, we make sure everybody knows with an iron fist. And here's the truth and the reality. Being right, people end up right by themselves. This is how it affects out. Oftentimes I'm right with this world. And in being right, I send people right by themselves. Because listen, I don't know where you are with Jesus, but every person in here walked in here on the way to eternity, one place or another. I hope it's to heaven. I hope, you have, I hope you have trusted the Lord Jesus as your Savior, and as a result, you are on the way to heaven. But there are many people probably in this room that have never said, Jesus, I give you my heart, and I give you my life, and I give you my all. I realize that you paid the price with sin and death of, in my life, and you paid it with your blood. God sent his son to take away my sin. And with that beautiful price, he allowed me to be his son and he allowed you to be sons and daughters. And with that, I have an amazing responsibility. And I'm not saying we get run over. We don't. We stand in the truth. There's nothing wrong with standing in the truth, but how we react to the truth. Because I can be right and I can tell them, look at what you did. And they can end up right by themselves in hell because there's a real place called hell. And there are millions upon millions upon millions upon millions upon millions of people 
Billions of people on this planet out of the almost eight billions of people will end up splitting hell wide open because to those who receive him, he gave the right to be sons and daughters of the king. But it's only those who receive him. And if all I ever do is show the world that I'm right, then I'm telling them you can end up right by yourself. Because I don't really care. I just want you to know that I'm right. And I want you to know what you did. And I just sat. And I just thought, man, so many times I focus so much on the church, so much at home. And there's thousands of people around me every day, man. And I get so mad when someone cuts me off in my car. And the culture of honor is so far away from me because I have to be right. And I'm telling people, go to hell and end up right by yourself. Hell is a place that is real and is miserable and it is complete and utter darkness and separation from God. And here's the power that you carry, Christian. Pastor, you got that, you'll handle that, you'll teach them. No, I'll never reach the people that you'll reach. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is the power that lives inside of you, Romans 8, 11. And you can activate that at any moment that you don't have to be right. And you'll say, God, I'm gonna take all of me and I'm gonna look at everybody in my life and even though I might be right, it's not about that. It's about Jesus. And I want to change the world with the gospel. So listen to me. Y'all look this way. You came in here one of two people. You came in here on your way to heaven by trusting him as Savior and Lord. Or you came in here on the way to hell. And listen to me. This is why it's such a big deal. We Everything that we do is so that we can reach the least, the lost, and the lonely with the gospel of Jesus and see their lives change as a result of trusting him. There's nothing in this world that we'd love to celebrate more than you experiencing life in Jesus Christ, but you'll only do that when you decide it's not about me and I want him to be my Lord. He paid the price that you could not pay so you could live the life that you cannot live without him. But it will only happen when you trust in his name. Will you bow with me? Pastor Mark, this is going to be quick. Pastor Mark, I came in here on my way to hell, but I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I'm going to declare to the mountaintops that I am dead in my sin, that my sin is causing me separation from God, but he paid the price and I'm going to trust him as Savior right now, Pastor. I need to be saved. Pastor, that is me. Pray for me right now, Pastor. I need to be saved. If that's you, just throw your hand up as high as you are. Anywhere in the room, throw your hand up. I see you. Just hold it up. Keep it up. Who else? Who else? In this room right now, you say, Pastor, that's me. I need to be saved. I see you. Who else? I need to be saved. Don't be scared. If you feel the Holy Spirit pulling you, you just throw your hand up in the air and say, that is me. That is me. I need to be saved right now. Listen, if you just trusted Christ and you raised your hand, I want you, I want you to take that note card that we just gave you and fill it out and go find our people at the prayer wall in the back of the next steps table. And we're going to help you take your next steps. Now, I want everybody to look this way because there's two parts to this today. First of all, can we just celebrate one person moving from death to life? Can we do that together? It's awesome, man.